available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everyone, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we are the Podcast of Champions, talking Pac-12 football. Lots of emails, lots of tweets, lots of texts. We love to hear from you. You can email us, pac12podcast at gmail.com. Text or leave a voicemail. 424-532-0678 is the number. We did get a voicemail this week, Dave, but it was uh, not suitable for our our listeners, I guess you could say. Yeah, they tried to sneak one past us, but they have to remember we get a printout, actually. Not a printout, but like a transcription in our email because it's Google Voice. So we can see what it is. We're not going to just play anything anymore. We've become much more professional. (laughs) This was really unplayable. Um, But yeah, we I actually listened to it. And it was just as bad as the transcript suggested. Um, but we do want to get we want to hear from you. You can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast. We love interacting on Twitter when we do it. And of course, all of our old episodes are up. Pac12podcast.com. You can go back and listen to any of the gems that Dave and I have produced over the last three years. Yeah. And I, I recommend it, um, as I've recommended before. But we have some new listeners, I think. Um Listen to us on just once. You don't have to do this every time, but listen to us on like uh, half speed or thereabouts. I really recommend it. I'm not going to tell you why, but yeah, I will tell you why. It's because we sound really drunk. (laughs) And one listener, and I think we'll get to this question, advised that Ryan should always record a little bit drunk as he was last week. Um, And if you want that experience and Ryan doesn't want to have liver failure, just listen to us on half speed and you'll be in good shape. Yeah, was what was that? I was like uh, out with a buddy golfing and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had lunch, so there were some beers involved. And I came right to the studio, and I would think I was a little, you know, a little tipsier than I thought I was. It was great. It was great. I think it, I think it had the exact right effect for everyone. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't you know want to be like sloshing all over the place, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, this week I'm totally sober. I played some beach volleyball this morning, Dave. I delivered my meals on wheels route. I'm like. Ready. I'm a productive member of society. I'm ready for a great show. Hopefully you are too. I am too. And you're a, you're a real charitable giver. Doing meals on wheels. I do. Donate blood. I do. Yeah, trying to do stuff. I do the Big Brother thing. That was good. Look at you. Look at you. I do nothing. I'm a <laughs> I'm a horrific person. I claim to be a proponent of all of these things, and I don't do any of them. It's great. <laughs> well, you do have two kids to chase around, so yeah, sort I'll, of. I'll give you a pass. Yeah. Um, no, I try to do things. I don't know. I've always had, I don't know if we talked about this before, but like, you know, I'm more of a conservative guy. I think people understand that or whatever. Um, I get frustrated every time I try to go volunteer for something. Cause it seems like the people running those things are so incompetent. It's like, Hey, I'm trying to give you my time or money, whatever. And it's like, they can't even take it. And I'm like, no wonder these things are so hard. Like, you know, if you're looking to go do stuff. So 
I love people go out there and volunteer, but if you're out there in the volunteer world, try to make it a little bit easier for the people that are trying to volunteer to actually do it. Cause I mean, I would call for months for certain things and never hear back. You're like, what is going on? So that, that's just Wait, my, are you, are you saying charities and volunteer organizations are somewhat inefficient? Uh, it seems this, that way. These, Oh, these private options are somewhat inefficient. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe we need some sort of, I don't know, like overarching body that takes care of these things. Oh, man, you're going to put more government stuff on me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it started like back in like uh, when I was in USC and the riots were going on. And I tried to like donate time or give blood and stuff then. And it was I think it was crazy time. So it was just hard. But even like I became a big brother. Oh, my God. It's like. 15 years ago. And I remember calling constantly like, Hey, you know, they need bigs. Like if you want to be a big brother, that's great. Go out there and do it because they need, there are a lot of little kids that don't have a big. So, you know, you're, Hey, I want to be a big call me back. No call back. No call back. And literally I called one time and you're like, yeah, she's not in and her voicemail's full. And I, I wanted to reach through the phone and strangle this one. Like someone actually, I'm like, could you take a post-it note and write it on her desk to call me freaking back? I mean, I was so pissed. And it's like every time I do this and I'm like, you're trying to be nice. And it's like, then it just makes me more mad. So I don't know. But Meals on Wheels, something my grandparents did back like back in the day. I remember that. So I, I wanted to try to do that recently. And it took a little while, too. I filled out an application and they didn't get back to me for months and stuff. I'm like, oh, God. But fi finally I got through and now I got my little route that I do on Wednesdays. And it's pretty fun. That's great. You should try it sometime, Dave. Yeah, I will. I'll give it a shot. Uh, no, it's it's I probably cool. won't. I don't know how. We... <laughs> I think I texted Dave. Hey, let's make this show a little tighter. And of course, we're like tangents. Yeah, no, and I've taken it off the rails. I think at least twice now. And no, we're only you. five minutes in. I don't think it's you. I think it's more me. Well, whatever. We're 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 partners in this. We're we're yeah, not. We're yeah. We're we're partners in this train crash that we call a podcast. It's six minutes in. And we haven't talked about the main thing, which is <laughs> apparently, according to reports. The Pac-12 is out of the Power Five. Wait, I thought you were going to say uh, USC's water polo championship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember, we lead off with the sports that matter here someone on the podcast of champions. Yeah, someone tweeted us like uh, about it. Um, so, yeah. So, dude, a bit, USC or Stanford's won every women's water polo, water polo title since 2010. So, it's like it's and always. And before that, US, UCLA won like nine straight or something. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's like it's the Pac-12. Basically, the three schools that have won the most national championships they always win that one um yeah are you what are your thoughts i know you were not a beat uh, beach volleyball fan and ucla won that one are you uh more of a water polo fan that, that's I'm, like such I'm a hard always, sport i'm always super impressed by water polo oh my because god because that is hard as hell to do um they did a thing when i was in school where the football players went and did a water polo practice and the water polo players went and did a football practice and the water polo players did a football practice, no problem. I mean, they're not catching and throwing the ball at anywhere near the rate, but they're not tired at the end of it. Yeah. The football players would have died if they tried to do a full <laughs> water polo practice. Like the thing where they lift like the arrowhead, like big bottles of like the water that you see on a water cooler. Water polo players, as part of practice, hold one of those over your head as it drains and you have to keep your head above water. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, just imagine doing that like just imagine no. doing that with a water bottle like just a, like a you know like a half liter of water <laughs> and then imagine doing it with an entire water cooler of water no water polo is impressive i, I it's not a spectator sport in any way because no. you know 90 percent of it's going on underneath the water um i covered it a little bit when i was on the daily brewing oh, really? so i have i have a lot of respect 
for people who do it because it's hard. Um, and also it's like really violent under the water. And uh, if you're a dude, you're, you're getting some, some things <laughs> happening to your junk that you don't necessarily prefer. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's not a spectator sport. That's why nobody watches it, but it's really impressive. Yeah, those guys are, are you know, guys and gals, such good shape. The dudes all have the V shape. Um, and you, yeah, you go to a practice and they'll be like, okay, jump in the pool and swim for two hours, then we'll start practice. <laughs> like, what? Like something that would just kill you. And they, sw- you know, they swim as much like as the swim team people. I don't know. I mean, it's nuts. That's, swimming's hard. And uh, it's, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. When you're talking about a sport run. like hockey, where like, oh, let's play this, but you're on ice or. Why don't you go in a pool and just do stuff for hours? Um, that's that's not that's not easy stuff. No, it, it, again, like as with all things, like baseball is kind of my speed for sports because, like, if you know, you're not really doing a whole lot most of the time. It's great. Yeah, and now you know you play softball when you're older. You can drink beer. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Exactly. That's why I like golf. I like to drink beer and and you know enjoy. Yeah, golf's golf's like a game. It's not even a sport. It's like a really big pool. <laughs> <laughs> really. That's true. Um, well, okay. So, any other championships? There are probably some more. I don't know. The Pac-12. There's probably some more, but this joke will probably run its course next week. Yeah. Um, okay, but Dennis Dodd's column. Let's not get this off the rails a fourth time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, what Ryan was referencing with the uh, Power Four, uh, you know, is it a, is Pac-12 part of the Power Five anymore? Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports wrote a column, uh, basically saying that. Uh, the current state of affairs with the Pac-12 is going to eventually de facto make it a power four and the Pac-12 on the outside looking in. What did you think of this? So I thought it was interesting. I think uh, our buddy Dan Rubenstein, um, or was it Rubenstein? I always get that wrong. I think it's Rubenstein. That, man, it's Rubenstein. Holy crap. Why did I screw that up? Um, I think it's Rubenstein. Is it? Why? I think so. I'm in my own head. Uh, Dan is our buddy. Man, I had coffee with the guy uh, when I, we were in New York for my wife's birthday. It's always a tough one. Rubenstein, Rubenstein, that's a tough one. And it's and the I, Stein is always difficult. I screwed up in my head, but anyway, he was talking about he was kind of giving some counter points on Twitter uh, about the you know the times the things that the Pac-12 can't fix. And I get I think Dennis is bringing up a lot of the things that we talk about almost every week on the podcast. You know the the truck, uh, you know the the, the Stanford Washington game, and they're showing truck racing instead of that. Um, and, and basically, I think the theme, and he mentioned it a few times throughout, was like, would this happen in the SEC or the Big Ten? And the answer is always no. You know, um, I get like Dan's point where there's uh, there's there's definitely disadvantages to just being where the Pac-12 is, but you can't you're, you're like you're adding to it by some of the stuff that the Pac-12 is doing and, and just making it worse. So you're kind of just putting fuel on the fire. I. I but a lot, I think there's, I don't think there's a whole lot new. I think the main thing, the main takeaway I had, Dave, was now you have uh, Ray Anderson, uh, Arizona State's athletic director. And if you want to look at the president's, AS, ASU's president has been a, a staunch supporter of, of Larry Scott and the Pac 12 networks. Now you got Ray Anderson coming out and being outspoken about this, saying, mm-hmm. you know, and so I thought that was important. There's more and more administrators and you know inside the Pac-12 Dave now to me that are speaking out like hey this is a big deal 10 million a year eh, you know that's that's a lot i mean and and it's going to get wider uh over the next 5 or 6 years so that's significant money when you're talking about paying a Chip Kelly or or Chris Peterson or whatever not having 10 million dollars that a Rutgers or an Iowa State or something would have is going to put you at a disadvantage year after year after year 
Um, it's not just the postseason stuff, but it's going to be that long-term effect. And I, I thought it was pretty well written. And, you know, we, I, I, full disclosure, I tried to get Dennis to come on and talk about it. He's on vacation in Hawaii. So I guess this was like his mic drop column. He just he <laughs> dropped this out here and left. Walk away. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't read uh, Dan's comments on it, but I imagine I'm going to echo a lot of them. I think the most in- there were definitely some interesting nuggets here. I think um, – the fact, what you alluded to, that three university presidents have now kind of said something about the state of affairs in the Pac-12, that's, I think, two more than we'd heard about previously. So that's, you know, that's maybe starting to build a, uh, a case for a change of leadership at the Pac-12. I think that's something that maybe is a something that's building out of this. I think the general thesis, though, is it's a little off because the Pac-12 is just I, I know a lot of us don't like to think of it like this way, and I think USC fans in particular don't like it because, um, you know, they they have the the aspirations of essentially being in Alabama. Um, but the Pac-12 is a different league. Um, the fan interest is not as strong out here, even for USC. Like, it's just it, USC fans are not Alabama fans. UCLA fans are not LSU fans. You know, Stanford fans don't exist. All these things, like, they're, they're, there's just a different culture around football here that is inherently going to depress, I think to an extent revenues and, you know, the amount of money you can get for a TV deal like that stuff. I I think the PAC 12's issue is the self-inflicted wounds that they don't necessarily need to be doing, you know, deciding that they're going to have this wholly different type of network rather than just taking a, you know, a slightly smaller payout than the big 10 or the sec from their deals they do a whole different type of thing, which even further erodes their their um, revenue. So I think all that's true. But what I would say is there it's it's never going to fall to the point where the Pac-12 is not part of that upper echelon of leagues. The national the natural advantages of the league in terms of simply recruiting and sur- simply in terms of the players you can get, um, mostly due to the fact that they're all centrally located around California. I think it's just going to always make it so that the league is simply too talented. Let, you know, the revenue is going to create issues on the coaching staffs, I think, very soon. But the the quality of the players is always going to be, I think, at too high of a level for it ever to fall behind, like, I don't know, the Big Ten. I just don't see that as like a as a consistent and long term um, idea. I just don't see it. One of the uh, aspects from the column that uh, that stood out to me, and our buddy John Wilner uh, wrote a, a you know a hotline email, sent it out to his you know his newsletter about it, and kind of pinpointed some different topics. You know, I think quoting Ray Anderson a couple of times, but one of the the paragraphs says, "Not including in the not included in the news of that revenue distribution was the Pac-12 handing out only seventy three percent of its annual take to its members. The rest of the Power Five conferences typically distribute more than ninety percent." Um, so that's, that's issue. That's something that's, uh, a, apparently an accounting issue, but you know, that's significant too. Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. Uh, you know, Larry Scott's talking about never having more revenue, but obviously the, uh, the discrepancy between what the PAC 12 makes and the other conferences and the PAC 12 not getting as much. And then I think the big thing you talk about self-inflicted wounds. I mean, Larry Scott's the highest <laughs> athletic yeah. director out of well, all of them. And putting putting the the league office in the middle of San Francisco, like that's just yeah. this isn't a necessary thing. It's something that's uh, you know something that again eats at that revenue. It eats at the money. Um, 
that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what the Pac-12 is essentially there for, is to make revenue for the schools, especially in today's modern climate. So, well, yeah, but it was a good column. I recommend reading it. Um, I, I don't agree with the, and I don't even think it was the thesis that it was going to, I think it was just kind of a throwaway line that it might be the power four at some point, but um, I, I would push back on that. But I think the overall and the information in it is great. So good stuff from Dennis. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, we definitely want to try to get him on. Um, I think we wanted to get him on before when he wrote the piece about the uh, declining attendance in college football. Maybe that was it. Uh, yeah, there, there was something about that. That's right. Yeah, he wrote a pretty good one on that. Um, and then this one, yeah, it was a little bit of a mic drop, but that was good. Uh, it's something that, you know, something for us to talk about in the off season. Uh, but he's, you know, he's a nationally known uh, columnist. You know, I know we know a lot of national guys, and you know, he's just one of the hardest working guys out there. So, uh, you know, we love Dennis. We'll have to love to get him on and kind of get his perspective on that. Hopefully, when he gets back from Hawaii. Uh, much deserved vacation. This is kind of the slow time as far if you cover team stuff, this is a, sort of the slow time of the year, I would say. Not for us. We're recording every week, Ryan. Still, we got we got to pat ourselves on the back. Again. We got this is the moment of the show, the segment where we pat ourselves on the back, all right? For actually doing something that we planned or we we're supposed to do or Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a moving target as to the day of the week that we do it, but look, we're doing it every week. People can't complain too much. Yeah. Um, there was also, uh, I don't know if you got to check out any what Wilner wrote. We talked last week about the uh, um, revenues being reported. Um, and Wilner's kind of wrote a bunch of pieces on, there was like $100 million that he couldn't account for. Uh, did you follow, yeah, Have you followed I that? that? I didn't got in too deep into that one, but uh, it seemed pretty interesting too. Yeah, that did seem interesting. I haven't read the whole thing, but... Um... Yeah, that's interesting. So cool. Um, let's see. Missing revenue is fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. He wrote a, a recent one. I think the most recent one. He said the Pac-12 declined to shed any light on its 990 tax filings, but the hotline found a scenario that could account for the 27.9 million disparity between apparent TV rights income and the figure reported by the conference. The scenario requires the NCAA support funds to be included as Pac-12 Network's income. So it's getting into a lot of, if you're like an accountant, like you'd probably uh, love that kind of stuff, but I, I'm not. Are you, you're, an, you're not an accountant, are you? Basically, it would require something close to $98 million being some form of expenditures. Is that right? I think so, I think, yeah. I think that's what his, his general takeaway is here. Um which seems like a lot, obviously, to run a network. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but basically, I mean, he says it's not transparent, so you kind of have to – you're left yeah. to speculate a little bit. And he has some really good educated speculation in here. So, I, I, I as we always do, we strongly recommend uh, Wilner's pieces in the Mercury News and uh, subscribe to that hotline newsletter. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so – our, the Orange County Register, uh, our buddy Joey Kaufman uh, reported. So, university released some tax returns. So, Clay Helton made $2.6 million in 2016. So, that was his first year as being the permanent coach. And according to uh, John Wilner's hotline newsletter, uh, at that compensation level, Helton was at the on the bottom tier of the conference salary hierarchy. Does that that doesn't surprise you at all? Does it or? 
no, I mean, it surprises me in the sense that it's USC paying their coach that, but it doesn't surprise me in the sense that like he was very unproven when he was hired, and I'm sure his contract at that time is, I would imagine his contract is pretty incentive laden, um, you know, for him basically to prove it, and then by the end or you know the midterm of his contract be, you know, have some escalators built in um, that'll take it up to you know the level he would be at if he, you know, if if USC does make a playoff or whatever. Um, and so him being at 2.6, that doesn't shock me. I guess it's it's just, it's even below market um, for, I think like at any power five school at this point, I'd have to look at that, but I think it's just kind of, I think it's below the 50th percentile. So that's a little weird, um, but no, not too super shocking. What about you? No, I think that was, you know, when you, you hire like an interim head coach who, wasn't on anyone else's radar. It's not like, um, you know, if he was like this, the hot assistant that everyone wanted to hire, then I think it'd be worth more. But, you know, it was, it was sort of a generous hire, I guess you could say. So they didn't really have to pay him all that much. And that's part of, you know, probably part of the reason that was appealing. Hey, we can hire him and it's not going to be that cheap. We think he's going to do a good job. You know, he ended up winning the Rose Bowl the first year. So it's like, okay, you probably got a pretty good return on your investment for that. Now he got an extension. We don't know the terms of that. Um, I assume he got a bump, but I, I'm not assuming it's, you know, it's probably like in the threes now. Like I wouldn't assume it's a lot more than that. Um, yeah. So yeah, not nothing too. Uh, nothing too juicy there, but good reporting from our man, Joey. Yeah. Joey. I didn't even know. Yeah. It's a private school. So I didn't, I don't even remember seeing stuff like that come out. So um, I guess you can get their tax returns. I don't know. I, I, I try not to get into all that stuff. People worry about money so much. Um, as far as paying this, paying that, I try not to worry about money, Dave. Just kidding. Um, that seems like you, that seems like you, that seems like my understanding of you is like, Oh, money, not a real concern. <laughs> um, the, uh, the other thing was, and I really have not, you know, dove deep into this, but the Supreme court decision to lift federal brand, uh, you know, bans on sports wagering. So each state can do stuff. Mm-hmm. My understanding is like Oregon, uh, already had it. Um, you know, Washington could be close. So I think in the Pac-12 footprint, uh, there's some potential for sports wagering. You know, we could, you know, we we do our picks every week against the spread. I mean, we could legally at some point start betting those. Um, so did you uh, look at this at all? Any thoughts? I, I do have extensive thoughts. Uh, really? And I, I've, I've, <laughs> so sometimes I stake out positions um, that I don't necessarily fully believe in. Um, strictly to be argumentative. It's one of my um, I like strongest, one of my strongest and best qualities, I would say. I think it really endears me to people all the time. Um, but I'm in the middle of a very, so this is what you get when you subscribe to Bro. Um, I'm in the middle of a very long thread on our message board arguing with several people that this is a negative ruling on the whole for society. Oh, okay. And this is coming out. from a person who gambles quite a bit. You do like the gamblings? Uh, I do like gambling, but I consider it a societal ill, oh. and I think uh, further further opening it up to uh, broader usage is probably a, not something we need to do. So you can do it, but you're trying to protect the feeble-minded average American. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is it's inconvenient now for me to do it, and so it takes a it's a you know i have to really want to do it to do it now right like yeah. i've got to find a credit card that works on an illegal betting site and then i have to deal with my credit card company calling me and it's a pain in the butt and that pain in the butt is a barrier to entry that i think is worthwhile right 
because then people who are, you know, potentially addicted to gambling or whatever, they don't get involved. And uh, it's a, it's a restriction. You know, it prevents, you know, it, 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 at some level, it prevents people from even initiating onto the uh, onto the, the slope of gambling. Gotcha. Yeah. I used So I like playing poker. I mean, I like to gamble in Vegas. I'm not a huge like sports better. Mm-hmm. Um, I might bet a couple games when I'm in Vegas, but I don't like go out of my way to like, if someone has a pool or something, I might join that like a friend or something, but I don't like, but I, I used to love to play poker and I got mm-hmm. married. It was a lot tougher. Cause like I would stay out I'd go to the casino or something. Cause there's card rooms around Los Angeles that are legal. Um, and you're playing against other people as opposed to the house and the house takes a, a take of, yeah, the, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even classify poker under the same thing because you're not. You know, when you're playing a slot machine, you're just trickling money upward. Like it's just going to somebody who's like a wealthy casino owner, essentially. Like you're not. But if you're playing against somebody, you're you're fleecing somebody else. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but I used to do like online poker, and I could, I you get it, you know, like those hands go so fast. Like if you're sitting in a poker room, oh yeah, you got to take a, the dealer takes time to you know deal out and everything, and. uh I didn't. I didn't like playing tournaments live like that because they would be so quick. You couldn't get as many hands in, and the and the rounds go, the blinds go up every you know forty minutes or something. If you're playing a p- tournament online, you're getting so many hands. Like it's it's okay. You can wait. You don't have to like play right away. If you're playing live, I felt like man, I gotta, I just gotta jump in because the blinds are just keep going up and up before you can't just wait around for a hand. But anyway, like. But so I could see that happening with the online poker. And then, you know, that all went to crap. They, whatever, they shut it all down and you can't play in the United States anymore. But I used to do that sometimes. And I could see, you know, you could get in trouble from something like that because it was really easy and convenient. And I think a lot of people fancied themselves as poker pros and they just were just bleeding money. Yeah. And like some of the things people are talking about, like in this idyllic way, like, oh man, in stadium betting where you could like have a betting station at a baseball game. And I'm like, that sounds like a dystopia to me. Like you have just like 20,000 just drunk people who, you know, are going to a baseball game. They can just bet away their money that easily and conveniently. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Freedom of choice and the whole thing, but geez, that sounds rough. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but, uh, I, you know, it's something I like to do. So it's hard for me to say, Oh, people shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, and I, 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 um, I'm definitely engaging in that hypocrisy myself because I mean, who doesn't enjoy um, gambling to some extent? But it's just like I don't know what benefit is derived from striking down that ruling and making it because e- it's already, I think, easy enough for anybody who wants, who really wants to make a bet on a game, you can do it if you really, really want to. Yeah, but. If you make it so permissive that like casual people who would never even think to do it are like, oh, I guess I'll do this now. I just I don't think that's a a, a net good, right? Oh, yeah, I wonder, and I wonder too what happens like with there's there's bookies out there, right? That are still yeah taking bets, and you know I would oh yeah we're gonna kill the black market industry that's for sure. Do you think that will like? I mean, I, I unless they can give better odds than whatever, or if the, I mean, it basically, it depends on what state regu- how states regulate it. Yeah. Um, because basically, all this ruling did is open it up so that states can now, you know, decide what they want to do. But um, you know, certain states they might not regulate it at all, and suddenly you can make sports bets at the bank or whatever. Um, and then, 
yeah, I don't see a bookie industry thriving in any states that do that. I mean, if they regulate it pretty heavily and it's still kind of difficult, but even then bookies will now have to, um, you know, they have to compete with whatever the standard line is on a particular game. And that's going to be tough for them to do. Yeah. I, do you, do you know if California is like nowhere near it or close or? I don't know. I would imagine California will be, uh, I don't know. California is a little weird because they have the obviously super socially liberal, but they also have a certain amount of social libertarianism built into that, you know, freedom of choice at the personal yeah. level. So it'll depend. This isn't like a strictly like left or right issue. It more is like how how strictly libertarian do you lean, which is more of the spectrum of authoritarian and libertarian. So okay. I don't know where California stands on that. I would actually lean to them being somewhat permissive, obviously having some regulations to protect people, but um, permitting it to to a large extent. So the so if you bet like a game, you the VIG or whatever is typically 10%. So you bet right. $110 to win 100 so I'm curious to see, you know, what the states would take and if there would be, you know, would the states take 5% and leaving only 5% for the. No, uh, it, because the, 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 uh, the sports books would just take their 10% regardless. Right. So I would if, think so. If, Cause yeah, they can't if, really yeah, make if, money. If they try to take 5% then suddenly the vig is 15%, right? Yeah. With, um, unless they regulate the vig, I guess they could do that, but. I don't know. I think um, I would have to imagine it will be an additional tax on the actual bet amount. So then bookies would probably still like, hey, you only have to pay 10 percent for us. But if you you know bet with the state or a state, you know, license, they could they could do it the same way they do, you know, basically stocks, which is tax it when it comes back to you. Oh, they could do so that. Tax 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 it if you win, essentially. Yeah. So you don't you don't have to put like 115 to win. That might make the most sense. That's probably uh, that's probably the easiest way to do it, and maybe the most equitable. Yeah. But I think that will piss off the real um, the real like people who make money off of sports betting for sure. And I think if you're if you're a bookmaker or whatever, you're like the casino. Like I don't think they could. I don't think they would operate only you know with less than ten percent because that's I mean basically that's how they make money, right? I mean that's. Uh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, if, their whole their whole thing. But I guess this is additional business. I think that's the way they would think of it. Okay. Um, I think it would. Uh, this will expand the industry. I think I was reading that the sports betting industry right now is about five billion dollars in the United States. Um, and that's basically with Nevada being, I, I think, functionally the only physical place you can do it. I think Atlantic City, um, they opted not to back in the 90s. And that's why this whole thing is even happening. Um, so. Nevada, you can do it and then you can do it online. But if you can now do it, say they do allow it at sports stadiums and that whole thing, that'll expand the industry quite a bit. So I don't know. It depends on how um, how much that changes the economics for these major um, casinos and sports books and that sort of thing, because I think they could probably take a lower VIG if the volume is that high and still make you know, a pretty substantial amount of money. I think I think even five percent would cover their costs for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Let if you have any thoughts on this, tweet us, let us know. Um I'm I'm going to go have to check out that thread on Bro. You will. Uh it's it's long. It's okay. it's we're at, we're at five full pages. Jeez. And I would say of the last four, I've provided about 20% of the posts. 
<laughs> Sometimes I just get like something like, uh, you know what? I'm going to argue this point because I don't see anybody else arguing it. And then I do it and then I start to get invested in my point more than I am actually invested in the topic. And so then I'm just like arguing for argument's sake. Yeah. Um, and again, it's very good and it doesn't frustrate anyone. And I, I recommend it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever just pick a side just to argue and like yes. you don't really care yeah i love doing that that's fun just yeah. just but to like... no but the thing is after a certain amount of time arguing that point see i don't do the full dispassionate spock version of that after a certain amount of time arguing that point i will start to believe it because i'm like whatever <laughs> i'm i'm arguing this really well so this is definitely definitely the truth yeah if you have a friend that like just is super adamant about something that you don't give a crap about oh, yeah, yeah. just go yeah, the yeah, opposite just... yeah exactly yeah. exactly that's it's always good. fun it's good everyone likes it um we had okay so we got text we got emails there was a tweet i wanted to read to you because i thought this was good from brandon i don't know if you saw it dave um social brandon o on twitter he said pac podcast the only team that has the same head coach and the same quarterback as last year in the pac-12 south is colorado do you think they're being overlooked as contenders so i think that's i replied that's not right. Kyle Whittingham and Tyler Huntley. Oh, nice. Right. Right. Brandon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, to his point, I think that is a good point about Colorado. Um, expecting them to make a bump, a jump this year. Wouldn't be out of line. Um, I don't see them as contender just because I don't, I didn't see much last year that leads me to believe they're going to make like a, what would they have to do? Like a four win leap. Yeah, I would think so, right? I mean, well, and uh, but to be fair, we didn't really see that two years ago either, and they yes. made a similar leap. So it could happen. Um, uh, I think I think getting them to like a seven or eight win mark is probably the more realistic one, though. I would think so. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe Hunley. Well, Hunley didn't. Did Hunley start game one? They did, right? Did they bench? Yeah, Jordan? Tyler Huntley started the year. Then he got hurt. Troy Williams came in, and then Tyler Huntley, I think, was starting again by the end of the year. So, yeah, so it wasn't even like he started the season. He was, you know, the de facto starter last year. I mean, just uh, not even that. He just, I mean, he was the main starter, just was out when he was injured. Yeah. It, it's easy to mess that up because Huntley uh, was hurt for quite a bit. So, right. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not as high on Colorado this year, but we'll see. You know, we, I'm, like you said, two years ago, they did a really good job. Yeah. Do you want to do text first, emails first? Are any of the texts good? Uh, I mean, they're texts. I, I haven't I haven't looked at a lot of them yet. Uh, okay, I'll read I did, you. I didn't see any really vile insults, so. No, I don't think they, I think we're kind of backing off that. Uh, we got John and Pacific Palisades. And there's a lot of actually UCLA questions in these. So maybe these are your bro buddies. Question on DTR. I just don't get the hype about DTR. I see him as a wide receiver. I think Lynch looks like more of a quarterback. Maybe I'm missing something here. Thoughts? Um, I, I, I think this is a troll. Oh, is that a troll? Um, Sorry. Okay. I, no, I think it is because um, I think he's making um, an allusion to the fact that Matt Lynch is a, a white fellow and uh, DTR is a African-American fellow. Oh. So, um, Really? This, this may this may or may not be coming from somebody I know who's who's trolling. So John Pacific Pass. Well, then the um, this one's kind of interesting. This is Steve. What will Bro's opinion of Chip Kelly be if he gets rid of any walk-on kickers from the team? 
Uh, I think that's also a troll. Let's see what <laughs> else we have. <laughs> what is a troll? Um, okay, so next one is an actual question. Okay. Um, hey, guys, what is your take on the Pac-12 big picture? Did the conference bottom out last year? A la the, oh, wait, no, that's an earlier question. Hang on. Okay, here's, here's the actual one. Hey, guys, I've been listening to a lot of other national podcasts during the offseason. There seems to be a consensus that UCLA severely lacks the talent to compete even in the Pac-12. I understand coaching has been an issue under Jim Mora, but the team talent composite on 247, and rec- that's actually really cool, by the way. If you ever get a chance, look at the team talent composite. It's under the football recruiting tab on the 247 Sports website. Uh, it's really cool. Um, but anyway, and recruiting rankings from the past few years would suggest that UCLA with good coaching should be easily in the top 25. I don't really understand this narrative. Is the lack of talent due to the recruiting rankings just being totally inaccurate, or are the national pundits just being lazy and assuming there is no talent because they didn't look great in the spring? I see plenty of high three-star, four-star, and a couple of elite five-star prospects on the Bruins. The only obvious lack of talent that I can see is lack of an elite inside linebacker and explosive receivers. What's your take? Uh, My take is, yeah, it's a little bit overblown, um, the talent thing. I think Bruce Feldman wrote it, um, and Bruce is really good, um, but he he has to take kind of what he's hearing because he's not at every practice um, and doesn't, you know— doesn't isn't necessarily studying the you know the rosters um, at like this huge great length and sometimes it's hard to project if you haven't seen guys in high school and so on um, and I think he's going off of what he's been told by the coaching staff and the coaching staff is incentivized to you know dampen down some expectations for this year I think the talent is good I don't think it's up to the level of some of Morris teams at UCLA like that 2013 and 2014 team I don't know if this one has that level of top end talent but I think the fact that I I don't think program development was very good the last couple of years Um, I think there's probably a lot of guys who are suddenly going to look pretty good this year that we previously just kind of wrote off so yeah, I mean, I, I, I generally buy recruiting rankings on the whole. Um, I generally don't buy the idea that, you know, a school just misses on guys left and right, and that's just all that happened. And, you know, basically, I don't I don't buy the blame the players thing. I imagine the talent is there, and if, if Kelly is who everyone thinks he is, he's going to get that talent to show at a certain level. But, yeah, there are specific weaknesses, I think. Linebackers won. I think receiving receiver recruiting was an issue under Mora. So, yeah, there's 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 some issue there. Um, I think you could make an argument that running back lacks elite talent. Um, but for the most part, I think it's a pretty talented team. Yeah, I would say in general, it's you know you look at the guys they're going to be highly ranked coming out of high school. But you know you've seen some of them play, and there's sometimes guys come in there a four star and like, yeah, he's probably not this level, you know, and and sometimes that happens. Um, I think it's more it's more about you know the situational talent like where you need you need people uh, for certain tasks to perform with Chip Kelly's system and and really just implementing the system. I just don't expect a lot from UCLA this year. Now Chip Kelly is a great coach. You know maybe he proves me wrong, but I think it's going to take a year for this to kind of get rolling. So I think it's a combination of everything. I don't I don't think you look at UCLA and go, man, they don't have any talent on this team, but. Um, I would say it doesn't look like an elite team right now to just to me, just from the spring. No, definitely um, not. But who knows? And he he actually ended it with uh sorry for the long question, feel free to paraphrase. That's nah, very, that's I should have read that first. That's very hard to do on the fly though. It's just like, you know, what do I skip? What do I you know? 
Well, and our first email question is going to cover that as well because we skipped apparently an important part of his email because it was like four million words long. Oh. But anyway, next one. Jason. Next. Oh, do you, uh, you want me to do it? or No, you do it. You do it. Hey, guys. I like the idea of doing pregame quote-unquote things for each Pac-12 environment, but asking the publishers is a terrible idea. They don't pregame. Ask the listeners. That's a good thought. Yeah. Good thought. And add the hashtag school abbreviation. Uh, It would require Ryan to organize them by school. We know Dave won't do shit. And let the listeners give their ideas. <laughs> See, that's good. Jason. See, he snuck in. He snuck in something that isn't even an insult because it's just so fundamentally true. That was good. Jason at CU. Okay, so I guess this would be a tweet that we would compose. Uh, yeah, so ask- we would tweet out, I think, and then ask people to hashtag their responses and tell us um, what the ideal pregame is for each school. Okay. Um, and that then sounds maybe, like a good idea. Yeah. We could put those up on the website or something like compose the tweets or whatever. Yeah. And if you're uh, not on Twitter, just text it into us and we'll post it. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, with the hashtag of whatever. So we got, so Jason, see you. We didn't get his entry though. So Jason, we need your entry. Yeah. We need your entry, Jason. Um, there are lots of, uh, great micro brews and stuff. And, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to do in Boulder, but, <laughs> and, what I do love the uh, obviously Ralphie's great. Like that's that's one of my favorite things. I was just reading the next text message. Oh, Sorry, I didn't mean a... to laugh at your Boulder comment. No, no, that's I was like Boulder. That's not that funny. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. Um, our next text message is uh, Thomas, who was uh, one of our um, emailers from last year, uh, last week. Uh, Thomas is one hundred percent Barry Scott, Larry's mildly competent twin brother. So I, I found that funny. Nice. Um, cool. So we're going to do, let's see. Emails. Yeah. Uh, we got Brian. You want me to do it? Yeah. Brian, Brian, it's number one. All right. I can do it. It's a little bit long. You want me to do it? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, Ryan and Dave. Sorry for the length of last week's comment. And by the way, I just said this is long and he, 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 he led this off with sorry for the length of last week's comment as if this one is short. Um, that was about a thousand words. I realized when finished, I had no chance of it all being read, but I had already done all that research. So I said, F it and hit send. OSU had a recruiting issue last week as pointed out by Hawaii coach. By the way, he didn't say F it. I don't want you to disrespect Brian like that. No, I didn't say the word because one of our iTunes comments was they keep it clean. So I can sometimes play it in front of my kids. And um, I followed that up by immediately dropping an F bomb in like the first minute of the next podcast, (laughs) not even really thinking about it. Um, And now I feel bad. So I'm going to try to clean it up a little bit. All right. Anyway. I'm I, I'm not going to succeed. Ryan already said shit on this podcast, but F seems dirtier, right? Right. You can say shit on like Comedy Central and stuff now. So, right. So yeah, that's cartoons. Like, uh, <laughs> all right. OSU had a recruiting issue last week, as pointed out by Hawaii coach Nick Rolovich on Twitter. OSU sent mailers to Hawaii players addressed to the Hawaii football office. This mistake got my friends debating whether or not OSU should actively cheat. Broader for the Pac-12, the question is this. What percentage of fans at bad programs like OSU now and ASU in two years once Herm destroys them would tolerate a year or two bull ban for getting caught, i.e. Ole Miss, in order to get out of mediocrity for a few years and to enjoy a winning team like OSU had my freshman year in the fall of 2012 that beat a nationally ranked Wisconsin team? 
I would support breaking some rules for that. I mean, most people think the NCAA rules are stupid anyway. And by my senior year in 2015, no one wanted to sit in the rain to watch us have our asses kicked by other bad teams. At least my beeves gave us a good reason to hit the bars early. Okay, so let's start there. Um, I think... Maybe I'm being a little cynical. I think virtually every fan base besides like maybe Stanford would be completely okay with this. Probably. You know, I think. As long as it's really good. I don't think OSU in 2012 is enough for most fans. I think it requires like a playoff run or maybe even a natty, but definitely something like that. Yeah. I think people would take the bull ban for sure. Like like if so, like if Chip Kelly would have beat like Auburn and won the national title. Um, you know, he ended up getting a show cause and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Completely forgiven. Didn't matter. You know, you won a national title. Um, even right. so, even the, the run that they had, um, his relationship with the, the runners in Texas or whatever, and, you know, writing them checks, whatever that was, I don't think Oregon fans gave a crap about that. So I think that's probably Not a good example. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, we talk about the, the, the different conferences, um, I think there's a laissez-faire kind of attitude on the West Coast. I don't think you see the rampant kind of cheating that you would in the SEC because there's just not it's just not that kind of a competitive environment that way. If you had a couple of programs that started doing it though, it would force the other programs to. So I think if a couple of people started doing it and it was successful, it would sort of force everybody's hand and maybe it would step everyone's game up and it would be more SEC like I don't know, but um, I'm with you, Dave. I don't. I don't think the fan bases would have too much of an issue with it. Yeah, and then he he ends with um, also on last week's pod, Dave left out that uh, Simonton, uh, he was the running back that he argued should have been picked over Stephen Jackson, had 59 rushing TDs and was the career Pac-10-12 leader till passed by Royce Freeman last year. I did not know that. That's really impressive. I didn't know it either. Uh, yeah. Jackson is remembered more. I just wanted to throw some love to older OSU guys who don't get remembered like they should, even by Beaver fans. As always, love the pod. Go Beavs and fight on. Brian from Walnut Creek, California. P.S. I counted this and got down to about 250 words. Let's hope OSU can improve by the same order of magnitude as my word has word as my word count has decreased. That's pretty funny. Thanks, Brian. That was good. That's a proper length. You know, that's that's really good. That wasn't. Yeah, that words. Was- that wasn't too long. A thousand words is a lot. Like a thousand words is a lot. That's a lot for either of us to read, especially I'm... when one of us is drunk. Yeah. So I we we appreciate you. And I think I got the long ones when I was drunk. That was weird. You were you were getting all the long ones because <laughs> all of them were long ones last week. Um, you know, this gave me like that actually reminded me something we should have talked about at the top of the show. Um, our buddy John Wilner drafted his own team mm-hmm. and put it out there uh, <laughs> against ours. So, I, what did you think of his team? I think it would also beat mine. Really? <laughs> um, I, I think it was. I think it was definitely good enough to beat mine. Uh, what'd you think? I I thought it was good. Um, but I like my team better still. But that's fine. You know, hey, it's like I love that he could just pick our scraps, and still. That, I mean, that's good for the conference, right? But the premise is, I think he made it clear in his column. The premise being like. Hey, it's not just that easy to load up on because you got to find some. Well, who's a good offensive lineman? I got to take. So yeah, well, I'm not going to be able to take that awesome running back. Um, uh, he ended up getting Simulton, right? I think he he got him on his team. So that's that's a pretty good one. I think he did. I think he did. And obviously, our man Brian would love it. Yeah, Brian. So j- check out John Wilner's column there. Um, that's good stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think he said there was going to be some kind of follow up too, but 
Um, we, you know, to be honest, we didn't really get a lot of like feedback about that from other people. Um, like, no, pe- I think I think it fulfills my um, my initial insight, which is that nobody would want to listen to that draft. Like nobody yeah. in the world would ever want to listen to that draft. Because we didn't get. Sometimes people comment a lot about like takes we have. No one like was like, oh my god, that's the best team. Or like, I just didn't seem to resonate. But it was something that was actually kind of fun for us. It took up time. Yeah, oh, it was great. It, John Wilner loved it. He jumped in himself. So it's it's something four hundred percent more people commented on our soccer stuff than ever commented on these teams. Oh my god, yes, they loved the that we hated soccer. Um, they loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so that was weird. But so go back and look at it. Go look at John, John Wilner's and, and see if you like his team or whatever. But I don't think people seem to care about that historic stuff. I thought it was a great suggestion. Obviously, people that do this for a living, we all like kind of got into it. But our listeners didn't seem to as much. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to read the next one. Two teams. <laughs> you asked me what I'm going to do. Uh, I know. And, and you answered. I appreciate it. <laughs> So the subject is two teams from Steve. Hey guys, love the podcast. One suggestion for the podcast, Ryan should drink before recording more often needs to happen. Um, I'm kind of cool with that. That's good. Yeah, that's fine. I'm doing like, can I drink? Yeah. Why not dude? Uh, You're like, you're coming home from work. So yeah, but I have children. Oh yeah, I know. Well, doesn't that make you want to drink sometimes? Yes. Oh, every day, (laughs) but I don't because I have children and I'm a semi-responsible adult. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I know. I'll see what I can do. Um, <laughs> I'm on a, a four week uh, like challenge. Like my one of my cousins on Facebook like was like, do this challenge. So it's like no, there's just stuff you can't eat. Like no fried food, no fast food, um, like cake, cookies, like ice cream, things like that. But you know, no soda, no soda, no juice. But it doesn't say anything about beer. So I've been drinking like a lot more beer over the last like week and a half. Um, so it's probably not. That's probably not good. It's probably against whatever. But uh, and I did that last week. So my question would be, uh, I'm a, yeah, would be one I'd love to hear asked to the other 24/7 sports writers for the other Pac-12 schools. But from a UCLA and USC perspective, what is the team that your school always seems to find success against, regardless of how good they are? Conversely, which team does USC or UCLA always seem to struggle with, regardless of how good? or bad that team might be. As a Utah fan, it seems the Utes always have success against Stanford. Last year was the first time Utah had lost to Stanford since joining the conference, and it was a close loss at that. On the other side, no matter how bad they are, Arizona seems to be the team Utah always struggles with. It seems to be either a loss, or if Utah does win, it's always a really close game going into the fourth quarter. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the podcast. That's from Steve. Interesting. Um, I don't know that there's... I don't know that there's an obvious answer there for UCLA. I'm trying to think. Because, I mean, UCLA and Cal had this long-running thing where neither could beat the other one at the other team's school. Like, for, like, 12 straight years, it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, Obviously, USC and UCLA, they don't go back and forth. They have, like, long, stupid streaks against each other, at least going back to the 80s. Um, The Arizona schools have... You know, generally held their own at home against UCLA. Uh, Utah is relatively new, but it's been a pretty even thing. Colorado's taken at least one off of UCLA, and you can't really build anything out of that. Um, I don't know. I don't think there is an answer that UCLA like consistently just has success against. Um, I would say struggling with 
I think that answer would probably be Utah. Um, UCLA just has, like, I don't think they've had an easy game against Utah since Utah entered the league. It's always been some three-point, ugly, just brutally ugly game. Some way, somehow, just completely uglied up. And I think UCLA's won more than they've lost, but it's uh, I, I think they always walk out of that game just beaten up and bloodied. So I'd, I'd say that one is, is probably UCLA's. What about Stanford? Stanford's just beating the crap out of them. I don't think that's a struggle with regardless of how good they are. Um, when Stanford was bad, UCLA beat them with regularity. But Stanford being so good, they've just beaten the P out of UCLA. Gotcha. Okay. Um, from USC perspective... Uh, I think it was Oregon State for a while. They won like thirty something in a row. Um, and they, I think they've won a bunch again. But they, uh, when Oregon State kind of got good, but recent, more recently, I would say Cal. Um, I think they beat them like twelve or thirteen times in a row, something like that. Um, for whatever reason, like I think during Pete Carroll's run, Jeff Tedford seemed to have his number. Uh, that not that he beat them a bunch, but it's just they seemed to like know. They, they always competed harder and, and played closer. Like the Aaron Rodgers game, they completed – I think Rodgers completed right. like 20-something straight passes and USC won in the last minute or whatever. But since then, it seemed to like that was the game that always got Pete Carroll's attention because people would talk about how well Jeff Tedford coached against them, and they just would never let Cal win. Um, over – you know, the, I agree with the – there's, you know, streaks. There's been bad streaks against UCLA, you know, both ways. Um, I think they've struggled with Stanford. It's always seemed to be, even though they beat them twice last year, uh, it's, I think that was one of those games, you know, you go back to the Pritchard game where they were the 41 point underdog and, and Jim Harbaugh and stuff. They seem to kind of struggle with Stanford, which is interesting because they're, you know, Stanford would, would do things that USC like kind of fancies themselves of being like a power team that can run it down your throat. And Stanford would do that exactly back. Um, that or whoever, like, you know, a Pacific Northwest team up on the road, uh, like as an underdog, like they went up two years ago and beat Washington pretty good, but you know, struggling with uh, you know, Oregon State up there, we've seen that, or you know, Washington State that lost last year. They, that seems to always be like their nemesis is like a a game in the Pacific Northwest that they they they're favored in, you know, and and end up losing. Yeah, I could see that. But we could ask, we could email the uh, the crew and see like hey what do you what do you think about this so but I'll do that um Steve I will forward this to our 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 group uh, of the Pac12 here at 24/7 Sports and if anyone gets back to us we'll we'll read them on the air for you Sounds great Is it right. on the air? Do you ever say that like it's not really on the air, right? No, no, I'm not 90 so I don't I don't say that. <laughs> you millennials. Uh this is from Nick uh, hi, this is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick, 21 USC from the P. Want to wish happy Mother's Day weekend to all. Hello, Ryan Abraham and David, the lovable loser, Bruin Woods. Question, since this graduation week for most students and student athletes, that's not true, is it really? Uh, USC graduated last week, I think. They're... That's insane. I don't think UCLA graduates for another month because of the quarter system. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. Uh, question, since this is graduation week for most students and student-athletes, give us a story you are willing to share from your graduation week at your respective schools. When you graduated, did you see yourself doing what you are doing today? I know this isn't a Pac-12 team question, but we are in the offseason, so we got to come up with some content. Fight on. All hmm. right, Brian, you go first. Interesting. Okay, so something from 
my, like I got to remember back. This is a long time ago, dude. Twenty five years. That's uh, why I made you go first because my memory is shot, and mine is only ten years ago. Um, so I, I think it was. I didn't have a lot of stress. You know, sometimes you can be stressed at graduation because you're not sure what you're going to do. I had got a job at Hughes Aircraft Company after my junior year. Like I worked there that summer and was going to come back and do a fellowship and they were going to pay for my master's and stuff. So I knew I was coming back for school anyway. Um, I, it was definitely a big deal for me. Um, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college and all that stuff. So I, I, I was all happy. I mean, I thought it was cool. I already had a job. Um, so yeah, I, I was like, I was, I was happy. There was, I don't, wouldn't say anything like, you know, my parents came out and I remember going to like, um, I think we went to Gladstones or something and, you know, something in Malibu, just going around some of the, the local LA things. And, uh, I, yeah, I loved it. I was the, uh, I was the fifth of five, uh, children. Um, so I was the fifth college graduate among our, our, our family. <laughs> just your siblings. <laughs> well, my parents, my parents didn't go to college. Oh, okay. Well, my dad went, but didn't graduate. Um, but we all graduated from college, but like by the time I'm there, like two of my siblings didn't even show up to the ceremony. <laughs> they just kind of went back to the house to like hang out beforehand. Um, so it was just my sisters there watching it. I was really tired and hungover because well, it was college, but also it was graduation week. Um, so graduation week was a lot of fun. I had no idea what I was going to do um, after college. I didn't really give it a whole lot of thought either um, because as many of these listeners now know I am a, a dumb person um, who doesn't who doesn't plan things ahead at any real level um, so I had no idea um, I had done this stuff in college but I didn't really have the intention of pursuing journalism I had taken uh, I had taken the LSAT um, but I had also um, spent five years mostly not going to school um, so my grades were shot so I didn't really seriously consider law school at the time. Um, it's kind of percolated a few times since then, but I didn't, I've never really seriously gotten over the hump to actually do it. So, um, yeah, I ended up, uh, being a legal assistant for a year and then tutoring the LSAT for a while. And then I got into sports stuff. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a jackass layabout and that really hasn't changed in about 10 years. (laughs) So I might not be, I'm not, I might not be your ideal role model here. <laughs> well, it's cool. I mean, you know, congratulations to everyone graduating and it's, and it, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Dave, but I always enjoy being able to cover kids when they're in high school and then see them go through college, no matter what they did. Maybe they, they rode the pine the whole time or they were a star, but when you see them tweet out like graduation and their parents are happy and all that stuff. I always think that's awesome. You know, there's that's there's, great. there's yeah. a lot wrong with the NCAA and, and college athletics and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, seeing guys like that and you know, a lot of them that maybe wouldn't have gone to college otherwise to see them do well, uh, you know, become very social. They do interviews. They, they may or may not excel in the field and then but they get a college degree. Um, I always find that great. So it's, it's a really fun time for me. Yeah, that's that's one of the really cool cool things. And um it's one of the things that I think is uncynical when the coaches talk about um, like when you talk to a head coach and they talk about like, like we ask Jim Moore this all the time and he'd say, um, you know, I, I like the pros, but the cool thing about coaching in college is being able to just 
see young people grow and also help them like on that growth path and the whole thing. And I having, you know, once you've done this for four or five years, you've seen kids go from like sophomores in high school to, you know, sophomore, junior in college, who's like this mature adult after being like a really shy kid. Um, and just, you know, it's kind of cool to see that and see the effect that, you know, being in a, a college environment can have on people. And that's just everybody. But um, especially with, I mean, the truth of athletics is that, you know, I don't think a scholarship is a sufficient payment for um, these guys, but I do think that it has some obvious positive effects. And, um, you know, seeing people who are, you know, a lot of these guys are the first person in their family to go to college or the first person to graduate from college out of their family. That is just super cool. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a really neat thing about all of this. And uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Um, okay. We have one from Hithliday offensive performance. He says, Ooh, this is a double entendre. I think. Oh, cause he's saying offensive something, it's a question he's going to ask us about offensive performance, but I think he's also saying our, our uh, our podcast from last week is an offensive performance. Yeah, I've been sort of critical of Hitlerday in his last couple of emails, yeah. so maybe mm-hmm. he's not real happy about that. Maybe he's, not. He's definitely one of our, uh, you know, our regulars. Um, really smart, thought out stuff most of the time, not all the time. Um, <laughs> but I think so. Some of these people, my guess is Dave, that some of these uh, they want to email us every week because they want to make sure. When we get huge and we're like on the Pac-12 network or whatever, or on the serious, you know, when we eventually get, they realize we need to be like voices of the Pac-12, they want to still be involved. You know, they want to still, hey, we sure. were there. And just to let you know, that's not going to be the case. Like we will dump you like a, you know, just. Oh, just the, we're going to dump you in yeah. a heartbeat. Yeah. So I just, don't know any of you. You can, <laughs> just because you're putting in your time now, if we get huge, just. Oh yeah. Just know we will probably forget you. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We could never forget you guys. We're going to we're gonna make you lose that Google Voice number. <laughs> so Hitlerday says, I'd give last week's show a gentleman's C. Uh, that's, I mean, I thought we I thought we did pretty well. I actually for, really liked last week's show, yeah. but maybe we're, we're grading it on a very weird curve. Top marks for the soccer rant, obviously. And I enjoyed the tales from the press box. It would like to hear a sequel. Uh, but I deduct points for fat fingering the mic after getting through one word of my question. He also tweeted at us. Apparently the audio cut out briefly after we started answering his question. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. I didn't realize that either, but he said so. And I, I, I read the tweet and this is not going to shock anybody. I read that tweet and then just went on living my life without <laughs> actually checking the audio to see if that was correct. So let us know. Um, so we fat fingered the mic apparently. And I thought the abuse uh, for your friend Thomas got to be gratuitous. Uh, do you want to remind people? He said, so for you boys, a D plus. Do you want to remind people what that abuse was or we have to? Uh, Thomas wrote several long emails. And uh, I think we just, um, by the end of the show, um, I think we were both um, being a little bit snarky towards our friend Thomas. Sorry, Thomas. We... No, I mean, I, I think it was justified, but we were definitely being snarky. Okay. Um, all right, Hitler Day, fine. So you didn't like our show. Uh, I thought it was good. And I, you know, I was a little tipsy. I had played golf, had some nice lunch. So I, I was in a good mood. So I don't mind. Uh, credit for this question goes to at our Boron 1856 on Twitter. 
Are you as surprised as I am at how much turnover at offensive coordinator there's been this offseason? I think it's actually come to the point that Arizona's Noel Mazzoni is the best, and this is an italics, play-calling OC in the Pac-12 if you set aside UCLA and Wazoo since their head coaches call the plays. The OC ranks look really green to me. Could we be looking at a defense-first league next year? So he lists um, the schools and where they were before. So Arizona, uh, Noel Mazzoni at Texas A&M, Arizona State, Rob Likens was at Kansas, Cal, Bo Baldwin, Eastern Washington. Now, these aren't all new this year, though. Like, I mean, there's you know, those guys have been there a couple years. But Colorado, uh, Darren, do you know this one? Uh, that looks like a Chiaverini. Chiaverini. Sounds good. Texas Tech, Oregon, Marcus Arroyo, Oklahoma State, Oregon State, Brian Lindgren from Colorado, Stanford, Tavita Pritchard, who we mentioned earlier, Stanford. Um, wait, that doesn't make sense. Previous school. and Oh, he was he was promoted. Uh, right. U- USC's T. Martin was from Kentucky. Man, that was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, U- but he's he's calling plays independently for the first time this year. Uh, yeah, Utah, Troy Taylor, Eastern Washington, Washington, Bush Hamden uh, from the Falcons. Okay, so uh, taking Hifflede's question in parts, could we be looking at a defense-first league next year? I actually think so, but I don't know how. I, I think it's partially linked to maybe some green stuff at, at uh, offensive coordinator, but I would say it's largely due to the turnover at quarterback. Um, there just aren't that many top-level quarterbacks, at least at this point in the league next year. So a lot of guys would have to step up, I think, for it to be an offense-first league. Um, so that would be my note there. Um, as for the rest of this, I mean, I think Troy Taylor's good. Um, I think Bo Baldwin is potentially good. Noel Mazzoni's good. I think the most interesting part is that um, Utah didn't change its offensive coordinator last season. Yeah. That's crazy. They always do that. That's um, like a tradition. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a star-studded cast by any means. I mean, Rob Lykins, a Kansas you know, guy, that's not – I don't think of Kansas when I think of, like, great offenses. Um but uh, I would say the Tavita Pritchard promotion is an interesting one because, you know, that's a guy who has functionally no experience doing that. Um, T. Martin, um, I have questions about as an offensive coordinator, and I'm sure I'm echoed by some USC fans, but we'll see it now that he kind of has full reign of the offense, whether that's a T. Martin issue or whether it was more of a Hilton family issue. Um, so that'll be interesting, but I don't know. I mean, I think the head coaches, I think, you know, Kevin, someone's going to have some influence on that Arizona uh, scheme. Um, I, I think obviously, as he said, UCLA and Wazoo, those are both head coach run schemes. I think Chris Peterson will probably take a heavier hand on the offense with a first year um, offensive coordinator. Um, so I don't know how much of effect this will have, but I, I would say the quarterback issue is probably my reason why I think it's going to be more of a defense-oriented league next year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, – there's just not as much quarterback experience coming back as you usually see in the Pac-12, but I don't think it's in the Pac-12's DNA to be a defense-first type of league. Uh, people, I mean, on our message boards, to talk about USC. They want to be like a run-first, you know, play-defense sort of team. And I, I'm like, that's just not what we see. When they're successful, that's not usually what they are. I don't see that as part of being the DNA. Um, maybe the offensive struggles, but I don't – I don't see this league suddenly shifting to everyone's just focused on defense. It's just, 
Uh, I would have a hard time seeing it. Maybe it does, but I, I don't think it'll happen. No, but I, I, and I should be clear. I don't see that. I see it more as like, I think the defenses in aggregate might perform a little bit better than the offenses next year. Like when you're assessing it from like an advanced stats perspective, I think it might be like a slightly better in aggregate defensive league than an offensive league. But you're not going to see like a nine, three, you know, LSU, no, no, I don't think Alabama that, but game. I think, I think yeah. it just might be that the offenses are relatively weak next year. Right. You want to go to the next one from Scott? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Larry Scott and soccer are the worst. Yes. Hi, Dave and Ryan. Uh, title sums it up. No one should like soccer or Larry Scott. So my question is, if you were commissioner for a day, what is one change you would make to improve our woeful conference? Refs, TV deal, division alignment, etc. Oh, I can only do one. Oh, it's it's uh, this one's easy for me because I'm just going to impact the thing that affects um, the game the most. The other stuff I don't really care about uh the refs 100 percent, the refs nice. uh, just make it so there's a real regulatory body they have real discipline you pay them better whatever it takes to get it so that it is not just a cluster every single football game i think that's a you know tough to argue against that um i think i mean i'd love to make a better tv deal but that's like i don't think that's something you could come in and change if you're a commissioner for a day, you know, like, I don't think that's really the ref stuff you could actually make an impact on. Um, I wouldn't mind mucking with the division alignment too. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think refs would be the top there. If you could make a, a better TV deal where the schools were going to get paid on par with the other conferences, then you can do, but I don't know how you do that in a day. Right. And then, uh, what are your thoughts on the changes to sports betting? We sort of, yeah, we talked about that, that. One out already. Uh, Dave, you don't seem to be a huge fan of Slick Rick Neuheisel, so would you rather have him coach UCLA again and win three straight national championships but receive a lifetime contract, or I'm going to stop you right there. If he wins three straight national championships, he is not the man I thought he was. So, yeah, give him a lifetime contract. I don't care. But all right, Or have him personally apologize to you for what he did to UCLA football, but UCLA won't beat USC for the next 10 years. I don't want anybody to personally apologize to me ever. <laughs> and certainly not somebody who's not done me any actual harm. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to opt for the... Uh, so you're going the, with B? I think I'm going to opt for A here. I think I'm going to opt for A. Yeah. I, don't think that was a, I don't think that was the perfect hypothetical we were really looking for. Something that's evenly balanced on both sides. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Thanks. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Go Cougs. Thanks, Scott. That was good. And he has another one. He said additional questions because things are slow. Um, you should try it. Like Dave said, listen to our podcast slow. Listen to it at 50% speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave and Ryan. We haven't heard from you in a while, Scott. Since there's not much to talk about until football starts again, do you have any thoughts on how to improve the college football playoffs? Personally, I would like to see it expand to 10 teams Winner of each Power 5 conference, highest-ranked group of five team, four at-large bids. They would have to shorten the non-conference games to pull us off, which is fine because no one really wants to watch Oregon State play Ohio State. I don't think that's true. Also, do you have any thoughts on players getting paid uh, or some share of money the NCAA brings in? And then lastly, an idea. What would uh, be cool? Uh, w- would be cool to see you bring on X players from Pac-10 slash 12 so the podcast, not to be a homer, but I'd vote for Gabe Marks or maybe Ryan Leaf. Thanks and go Cougs. Uh, Ryan Leaf is certainly, I mean, I've been on his 
Um, we could get Ryan on. I don't know Gabe. I don't know if you know Gabe. That'd be fun. I, uh, I don't know Gabe, but that'd be fun to get either of those guys. We could get, yeah, we could. Um, I mean, that, that takes work, though. And uh, Right. And um, we know where that generally ends up and who's, who's played it ends up on. If it's someone, so, I think it's someone that covers the conference, it makes sense. You know, like Ryan Leaf doing the, the Pac-12 radio stuff. Um, you know, if you got like Lincoln Kennedy from what, you know, so he covers, uh, you know, he's played at Washington, but he's on the Pac-12 network. Any right. of those people. So that would be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so what What were your thoughts on the playoff? Do you like it the way it is? Um, no, I don't like it the way it is. Um, I think I think that's the obvious obvious answer go to eight teams um have the five automatic bids have one group of five bid that's automatic goes to the highest ranked group of five team and then you know whatever that is two other at-large bids that's fine yeah i don't think it needs to be 10 teams i think 10 teams would make it a little bit just wonky because then you probably are working in buys um so i i would keep it at eight eight makes it an even playoff where you can just go eight and then four and then two and then one I would like that and maybe do the first round at, a, at like the home, you know, stadium or something. And then, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Give the, uh, give the top seeds even, even greater advantage. I think that's fair and good. What do you think it would be cool to have like, like the final four does like not, maybe not everything, you know, at this, at one venue, but could you have two games in one day at the, at a venue? Like the Rose bowl has like the semifinals and one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Like, could, is that possible or that just wouldn't work? I think that'd be fun. That would be super fun. Um, I don't know how the logistics would work, but I think that would be a really, really fun time. Um, the coolest thing about the Final Four is that it's four fan bases all like hanging out in the same area. Like when they have it in San Antonio, and the four different fan bases are just like rollicking on the Riverwalk the entire weekend. It's so much fun. Um, and if you could do that with in some capacity with the final four in football, the problem is you're not coming out of that weekend with a champion, right? Because yeah. it's, you're just going to come out with the championship matchup. But I think that could still be a lot of fun. Like, I still think like if, if it became a thing to make the final four in college football um, and make that a big deal, I think you could make it into an event thing for sure. And the other one was about paying players some share of the NCAA money. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? I, I think we've hashed this one out before. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, for sure. Give them. I, I mean, I'm I'm for like super pay, like just pay them whatever their market rate is. And I know a lot of people have like weird concerns that you'd then have to pay like rowing players. But, uh, you know, that's that's probably a true thing under Title Nine. But uh, laws could be changed. Um, so I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think. Any scenario where we're giving players money is good for me. Yeah, at least let them, you know, make money on their own likeness, you know. So For sure. It's their likeness. It's like yeah. them. Uh, you going to do Bernie's? I'll do Bernie's. Hi, guys. Here are my questions. Dave, do you believe Alford – this is a basketball question, so uh, close your ears. Uh, do you believe Alford is recruiting as if he knows he won't be the coach for the 2019 season? It certainly doesn't look not like that. Um, taking some kind of lower tier three stars. Um, but um, I, I think he's probably just uh, taking some low hanging fruit at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I think um, the one recent commitment 
he got um, from this guy, I think Jake Kaiman. Um, that one's a little peculiar, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't know that he's going to be around at that point. I, I don't. I think next year has a really good chance of being his last year. So um, if he is recruiting as if that's the case, then I think that. But you're saying for the 2019 season, so I'm assuming you mean the 2019-2020 season because he's definitely going to be around here for next year. Um, so. Yeah, I think that maybe is the case that he's not necessarily recruiting for the super future at this point, and I don't know that he should be. Ryan, do you believe USC will ever win a national championship with help as the head coach? Wow, Bernie throwing heat. Bernie. Um, okay, so if I had to, so sports gambling becomes legal, and I'm able to bet on that. Will I? I would not bet that he would. So if I had to put my what own money odds, down, what odds would you have to get? if Helton is the coach for the next five years and then he just moves on, you don't know if he gets fired or whatever, but he's okay. the coach for the next five years. What odds would you have to get that he would win a national championship for you to bet that he would? Okay. That's a good question. I think so. Th the reason I'm like saying like, it's not impossible. Like obviously it could happen. USC gets a lot of talent. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a very talented team. We saw them make that run at the Rose bowl. And, and win whatever 13 straight or something. I mean, so, I mean, there's, it's not like that would be impossible, but I, it's, it seems unlikely to me to, for me to switch. So like you put a hundred down over the next five years, like I would probably need like five to one or something. Like that's not too bad. I mean, that's, that's not too bad. So you're banking on basically the USC thing being, you know, so talented that they can make up for having, you know, an average to above average coach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you would have to, I think they would have to improve the staff. And so if he's definitely going to be around five years, you know, maybe they figure it out like, Hey, man, we gotta, we gotta make some improvements. And they, instead of just, you know, promoting gratis, but it, you know, it's a talented enough team that, you know, they can win the, they won the PAC 12 last year. I mean, they could win the PAC 12. And if you do that in a year where you're not losing to Notre Dame by 35, like, you're going to be in the discussion to make the playoffs. And then when that happens, who knows, you know, but so yeah, five to one, I think I would, I would do it, but you know, certainly it would have to be around that to, for me to consider it. Yep. All right. Uh, this is from our man, John and Brea question. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Congratulations to the PAC 12 and USC's women's water polo <laughs> team for adding another NCAA championship to the PAC 12 trophy case. The Conference of Champions continues to dominate the sports that kids grow up playing, mostly in California. Uh, question. Did you hear Dennis Dodd's comments about the Pac-12 becoming left out of the Power Four? He argued that the Pac-12 doesn't matter unless it puts a team in the college football playoff. On the surface, you can kind of laugh it off, but consider that he is employed by CBS. And along with ESPN, both of those networks have a stake in keeping the Pac-12 down and having the ACC and SEC dominate the conversation. Combine that with Larry Scott's nonchalance about the Pac-12 making the football playoff and sounding like he's okay with it, and the Pac-12 is headed for trouble. The SEC slogan is it just means more. If Larry Scott needed to come up with a slogan for the Pac-12, besides Conference of Champions, what do you think it would be? Um, Thanks, ooh. John and Brea. Is, uh, is it, it just means less? <laughs> we have um, the, the, the Pac-12, we have better things to do out here? I think it would be more live sporting events than anyone or something like that, you know? Oh, you're, you're going for the non snark, just kind of the truth of but, the matter but, is well, truth, but silly truth. Like who cares that there's more, you know, <laughs> that, that 
there's a lot more live women's lacrosse on the Pac-12 network that they wouldn't show on the SEC network. But the Pac-12 will survive the theoretical collapse of cable. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Pac-12, we're playing the long game, something like that. Okay, yeah. Um, we're we're retroactive. This is a, kind of a mouthful, but we're retroactively deciding we're playing the long game because we made bad decisions up front and now need to rationalize them in some way. Ooh, yeah, that that it, might be a that might that sounds catchy though. What's the acronym it? for that? We could. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that one might be tough. <laughs> <laughs> how about? Can you believe these guys extended me to 2022? <laughs> Can you believe how much money I'm making? No one makes uh, The Pac-12, we didn't have money to work on branding. Yeah. Um, the Pac-12, we didn't have we, – we couldn't pay anybody to make a slogan for us. You know, yeah. Something like that. Is that what, a little much? Does that um, mean we and have then to... he has, he, He's got a PS here oh. too. Okay. Okay, I admit it. I'm the type of person that asks you a question only so I have a reason to give you my answer. I think Larry's slogan would be the Pac-12 – most of our schools are near big cities. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. How about Domin- All right. So Do- anybody out there, if you have a really good idea for what the Pac-12 slogan should be, now that we probably should retire the Conference of Champions, please let us know. Maybe it's like mostly dominating the West Coast or the, the Pacific time zone <laughs> since 2012 or something like yeah, something like that. Uh, uh, we are we are located in largely warm weather. Just... <laughs> we direct flights to Hawaii all around, something like that. Or... <laughs> it uh, only snows typically near two of our schools. Uh, so okay, so there was a question. I guess there. no, that's not true because Washington State gets a bunch. And the yeah, Orleans can get some. Um, so wait, what was the? Uh, there was wasn't there a question in there somewhere? Yeah, that was the question. Okay. I thought there was something else he wanted to um I do like the 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 quip about schools. I mean sports that are mostly yeah, you mostly play in California. That is good. So good. It's uh cuz it's true. Um the uh that just means more. I like I like that stuff. Okay. Uh we got one from Bill. He says, "I was listening dot 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 dot." And then he continues to the podcast, but a soccer game came on and distracted me. So sorry I missed something that's already been suggested. Uh, suggested, and then he puts a little smiley face. So he, Bill, I guess, is a soccer fan. Is that what it sounds like? Or maybe I think he likes soccer. We did we get much hate? Were there some people that were like, or most people no, agree with us? No hate. Uh, we got a couple of like you know polite soccer fans who were like, oh come on, but no hate. That's good. Usually you get the, the irate, maybe because we, we bagged on the irate soccer fans who just tell you that you don't understand the game and stuff. So we. Right. We, I think I, I, I think I preempted it a yes. little bit by just dumping so hard on their like nonsense bullshit lingo. <laughs> the kit. Um, nil. Uh, okay. No, no, do not get me started. Again. I have a, I don't have a lot, like whatever reason, like I didn't play either sport. Um, I don't have a problem with like 15 love, but I do have a problem with nil, nil, like nil just bugs me. Well, because like tennis people are like siloed off from everybody else. Like, it's not like tennis people are walking around and being like, Oh man, you should really love tennis because it's the world's game and everyone likes it. Billions of people over the world love this. Soccer fans do that constantly. (laughs) They're like, they're like evangelicals for stupid, dumb sport with a, uh, 
You have nice. to wear shin guards to play that stupid sport. <laughs> I love firing Dave up. This is good. Um, all right, we'll go on with this. Instead of looking into the third string depth charts for for each school, perhaps you could have Ryan contact John Wilner. Equivalents. Why do I have to do this all the time? Of the, uh, you know why. <laughs> of the other major conferences and schedule a show. Oh, by the way, let me take everyone behind the scenes because we were texting on Monday and I said, hey, Ryan, do you want a podcast on Wednesday? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then in a separate text, he says, hey, do you want to try to get a guest? The next time I responded to Ryan was in response to another text about an hour ago. So I guess we were we were no on the guest is what. Yeah. What, just to get a response. So I was like, all right. So uh-huh. I, I tried to get one anyway, um, but it didn't happen. Uh, okay. It's, so contact the Wilner equivalents from each uh, the, uh, the other major conferences and schedule a show for each where you ask in-depth questions about the structure, strategy, goals, TV contracts. Uh, what they think of the Pac-12, and uh, whatever the heck else you want to throw in there, a la A, a la, a la A, a la Hifliday's. I was trying to say a la Hifliday, and I said a la A for some reason. A la Hifliday's <laughs> <That was> <laughs> H- uh, uh concept that you executed so well about each school in the conference. Man, you're just adding more work. This would seem to suit your audience. I'm included in this appetite for focusing on what the Pac-12 is doing wrong and at the same time, facilitate Dave's preparation ethic. Uh, someone, <laughs> someone else, someone else would basically do the hard lifting, or the hard lift of research, researching the info. You guys could just sit back and ask the same set of questions for each of the four guests, or more. If Ryan is ambitious and wants to contact <laughs> Notre Dame slash BYU, major independents, or the Mountain West, etc. So that that seems like a lot of work, Bill. We are the who, knows, who knows how bad this is going to get in the middle of June? Yeah, maybe we'll do it. Um, I don't know, like, if there's – we'd see it. We'd have to just get an SEC expert. Get a, Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. Like, and I, I, and, and I, I don't know how interesting that would be for everybody. Because um, when we did the, like, school-specific shows, even those, like, it was a really passionate group of, like, a couple thousand people who listened to each of those shows. Um, I think when it's supremely focused on like one kind of topic, I think people, you know, some people just drop off. So I don't know. I don't know. And it would be harder when you're talking about, you know, West Virginia and stuff where like it really, there's not a lot of interest from the PAC 12 schools. I think it wouldn't be that hard to find experts because uh, like if you were doing this in the SEC, you're like, well, who the hell knows anything about the PAC 12? Like you, you'd have to dig up Wilner somehow or come talk to us or whatever. There's just not a lot of like Pac-12 people, you know, but there's a lot of like SEC people and Big Ten people and stuff. Yep. Question to go with a comment. If there were a national super conference created for football and two Pac-12 schools had to be eliminated or could not be brought in, which two are they? Oh, man, they're going to make us pick. Love the podcast still. Thanks for doing it. Cheers, Bill V. All right, who gets left out of football? This is, ooh. Is there any way you could justify Oregon State being in the top 10? No, obviously, but that's rough. It's tough. You don't want to cut the beeves out. I mean, it's like. And I would say, like, I would say just drop the Colorado and Utah stuff because they're recent additions. But, like, Utah is, like, no, you I don't know, like them. our second biggest fan base on this stupid podcast. So I can't <laughs> say that because I don't want to insult, like, our, our loyal listeners. Um, I mean, from a quality perspective, it's Oregon State, and then probably 
I mean, Colorado just has a little bit too much history for me. I think it would probably be like Oregon State and like Arizona, right? Ooh, man, that's tough. That's unfortunately, it's like Oregon State, like a hundred percent. Yeah, and I, and uh, Beavs, this wouldn't happen. We wouldn't do this to you. This is like in that like horrific, uh, like Sophie's Choice scenario that we're being presented with here by by our man Bill V. Um, sadist. Yeah. So Colorado does have the history. They won the South, uh, what, two years ago. So there's some recent success there. You know, they had a 10 game winning season, so it's, it's hard, but they, they might be on my list too. You know, like, I don't know. Um, Arizona has not won the PAC 12, right? They never won the PAC 12. Uh, they have a share of one. Am I wrong there? They, they haven't been to, they are their only team that hasn't been to the Rose Bowl, right? Or for the original 10. Right. Um, hmm. Wait, maybe Stanford. Let's just get rid of Stanford. They're kind of weird. <laughs> uh, uh, get rid of UCLA for just being disappointing. <laughs> so see. you'd have to consider look. Arizona. Arizona has one uh in 1993 they had a share okay um did not UCLA go went to the Rose Bowl that year but Arizona had a share of the title and was arguably the best team of the three teams that tied what about Washington State Washington State has one in 97 one in 2002 but and... I'm saying like would you consider that I mean just you know there's a you know you're talking about a national super conference uh, that's a lot harder to get to Pullman uh, than other places. Like that could be a factor too. I, I think Washington State is just—it's it, they've had a little bit too much success. Honestly, Arizona State has fewer Pac-12 champions. They've had three. Washington State has four. Arizona State puts a lot of dudes in the NFL, though. Um, it's one of those things like their their potential. I think you'd want to keep them in. Yeah, Oregon State. I mean, if we're being if we're judging it on this level, Oregon State has five. Or they've tied for five, or they have five shares of a yeah. Pac-10, Pac-12 title. It's just there's you know since what the early two thousands, it's been pretty slim. Slim pickings for sure, and I mean you have to go back to the fifties for a lot of the Oregon State titles. Uh, and they have a Heisman too, right? Didn't they win a Heisman at some point? I don't know. That seems like I, information that I do not have. I for some reason I thought they won one, maybe not. Um, that's a tough one. one. That, that is a. That's a Sophie's Choice question, Bill V. That was rough. That was rough. I can't do that. Um, I would. I think my answer, my final answer, is Oregon State and Arizona, and I'm just walking away from it. All right. All right. Uh, who's next? We've got Futameki. All right. Quick question. Hey, Dave and Ryan. Great podcast last week, especially the epic soccer rant. Quick question. What's the best single performance by a player that you ever saw live in a Pac-12 game, basketball or football? For me, it was watching Jason Kidd beat my Bruins at Poly Pavilion in 1994. I'll never forget it. Wow. Thanks, Utah Mackey. Mm. Jason Kidd. Wait, so he's oh, so he's a Bruin. Okay. Oh god, the best performance. Um Do you have anything on the top of your head? I'm trying to think. Um There's a couple of good ones I can think of that struck me when I was like in school. Uh there was a weird game against Arizona State in basketball where Dijon Thompson went for 39 points, and that was pretty cool at the time. Um, 
there were some Maurice Drew games that were just wild. There was the one against San Diego State where he, I think he returned two punt returns for touchdowns and was just wildly impressive. He also had an over 300-yard rushing game against Washington, I saw. Um, so he did some really cool stuff in school. Um, I would say, okay, Maurice Drew against Cal in 2005. Uh, ran for 65 yards and, a and three touchdowns. Uh, had uh, two receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. And had three punt returns for 162 yards and a touchdown. So... That was, I remember that game being super duper impressive. UCLA beat a, uh, I think it was like a top 10 Cal team. Um, so I'll go with that one. Maurice Drew against Cal in 2005. Nice. Um, I know there's a, but like, as far as against like USC, like Vince Young in the Rose Bowl was pretty spectacular. Um, I mean, it wasn't flawless, but by the end, by the end of the game, there was no stopping him. He was just a, you know, he was just going to score. Like, you, there's nothing you could do. Um, I remember some other good, like, during UCLA's, like, eight-game winning streak, I think, like, Cade McNown had a couple games that were just, he was just on fire. Almost any quarterback. Yeah, he, he had the vomit game where he threw up in the uh, on the field and then kept playing. Yeah. Um, I don't remember, like, a specific one, but any of the, like, th some of those, there were, like, third-string quarterbacks, like Wayne Cook and stuff would come in there and, like, Throw for 500 yards against John, USC. John Barnes. John Barnes. He, yeah, he did. Um, oh, what was it? Uh, Charles. Oh, man. There was a Cal running back. Um, oh, that he ran for like 250 yards against USC. That was pretty good. Um, man, I can't remember his name. He was like a prop 48 guy. Like he could, I remember like he didn't get into USC, but like Cal got him in and he just went bananas. I need to, I have to Google his name when, when you're talking. Um, so there were some, there were some good, like good opponents. I think, uh, I mean, there was a couple with Reggie Bush where he just, just went absolutely bonkers. Um, I don't know. There was, I think, yeah, there were, I mean, there was, I don't know. There was a bunch, I, nothing that really like kind of stands out to me is more oh, Aaron Rodgers when he, you know, that losing effort against USA, we mentioned that earlier, like. He yeah. wouldn't miss a pass. Like, that was pretty uh, – some of that stuff was pretty special. I think, like, Keyshawn Johnson, there were some games. I think the uh, Cotton Bowl in 95 – or, yeah, 95 against Texas Tech. He had, like, 250 yards receiving. He was, like, a man among boys um, just crushing people. I think Mike Williams might have had a couple games like that against UCLA. Uh, there, there, there's a lot – nothing like one – oh, this was the best one ever. Just a lot of – those are the kind of ones that stood out to me. Yeah, for sure. Good answer. Good question. Uh, yeah, that was a good question. I'll have to look who that cow run. There was a really good cow running back who absolutely went crazy. I think Ladainian Tomlinson ran all over USC in one of the in like the Sun Bowl or something. That sounds like Ladainian. Yeah, that was good. Okay, interesting way to put it of putting it. This is from John from Portland. Dave quote USC drags the conference down when they don't perform at the super elite level nationally. Another way of putting it, USC is the conference's only elite team and our only hope for lifting our reputation nationally. Thank you, USC, for giving us any chance for national relevance. John from Portland. So I, I, that's not what I mean. I, I think it's more like USC has the best built-in advantages to be the team that's perennially contending. Um, and so when they're just not, when they 
I mean, how long has it been since they were a true real contender? We're talking like since 2007, basically. Uh, yeah, I would say like, I mean, where were you, where you were like watching the team and you thought, Oh, they have a real chance. Like they have a real chance to win a title this year. Yeah. Right. Whereas I would say Oregon and Stanford in at least a couple of years in the last 10, I would say each of those schools has looked like, wow, they really have a chance. I mean, Oregon was inches away from it twice. So it's not that other teams can't do it. It's that USC has the best advantages to get there. Um, and so when they are consistently not performing that way, meaning they are like basically never at that super elite level, it just makes it harder because you're counting on some other school just kind of hitting their peak at the right moment, right? Yeah. Because um, nobody else has quite the same advantages that USC does. UCLA has some of the geographical advantages, but doesn't quite have the same makeup in terms of commitment to football on the academic side or just across the board um, that USC does, So, or the tradition. Um, and then Stanford obviously has its own set of challenges. Um, Oregon has its own set of challenges, largely recruiting-based, but all these other schools have have different challenges, but more extreme challenges than USC does. So for USC to not perform at a super elite level, it's it's hard for them to do that. Um, that requires a lot of bad hiring. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think it. My point is just that you know they have the ability to consistently compete at that super elite level. So there can be years when USC is good, when there are maybe even three Pac-12 elite teams. Um, but when USC is not good, that caps out at two, right? Yeah. So. Um, hey, real quick, Russell White was the running back, 1991 against USC, 226 yards on 23 carries, three touchdowns. Uh, Cal beat USC 52-30, to 30, and it was 49-14 going into the fourth quarter. So um, I think it was the most yards ever against USC at the time. So uh, that, w- that was the guy I was thinking of, Russell White. He just ran all over. I remember that one. Uh, he ran all over USC. All right, cool. All right, this is our last question from nice. Jeff. Uh, your discussion on soccer. Yo, dudes, big fan of the pod, and as a Husky fan, I enjoy your jokes on Jake Browning's behalf. As a huge soccer supporter tied with my love for college football, I found your discussion really interesting on last week's pod about soccer and your shared hatred for it. I'm not here to dispute that. I wanted to reach out because it reminded me of this article I read a few years ago. It essentially posits that soccer as a sport is more American, quote unquote, than football. Curious if you had thoughts or a reaction to the piece. Anyway, thanks for all you guys do, even if it is suboptimal at times, David kidding of course cheers jeff um i actually did a little bit of preparation this week and i know this is going to shock you ryan but i read this email you did go yep and i read um, a little bit of this article basically it's positing that um football being so structured and somewhat authoritarian with the coach directing all of the players and refs enforcing all of these crazy rules all this stuff is actually a less American thing than soccer, which is free flowing and independent and the players control events and all this other stuff. Um, and uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's certainly a, 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 a take. Uh, I don't know how much value it has, um, but it's a, it's an interesting take. I have not read it. Um, I probably will not read it. I'm going to be, be honest about this, but I would not say it's more American. You know what American is to me? What? Not, not just apple pie and hot dogs and things like that. Buzzer beaters. 
you know, <laughs> countdowns like the, the the someone comes in and swoops in the last minute and saves the day. Like you don't get that in soccer, you know. Um, it's also American to to put the ball in the hoop, to score, to to do a lot of cool things like that, and and push the ball forward, not go backwards. When the the goal is forwards, why are you kicking it back towards your goal? Like no, go towards the thing. Go to what you're trying to achieve. Don't go away from it. Winning is American, not ties, not. Yeah, if we play to a tie, then we our aggregate is blah, blah. Like, who gives a crap about that? You want to win the game. Herm Edwards, that's American. Win the game. So, no, soccer is not American. Everything we love as Americans, we don't get in soccer. So, it is not American. Mm-hmm. I would, on my end, I would, I would argue that no sport is any country and uh, that most of our national myths are just that. What, you're gonna get all. Come on, dude. <laughs> oh, but the, the yeah. that is a thing though. Like the countdown, you know, with like, and can it, is the end of the last two minutes of a basketball game? Can that be boring as hell with every timeout and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean that could happen, but it's like, well, you could hit a three and get a steal and hit another three. Like we've seen someone score. Oh, like, and if we're, if we're being serious, I think basketball is much closer to our national sport than really anything at this point. Um, I think it, it's culturally American, like very much. So um, the sport was functionally invented here and it's, I think it like it captures a lot of the things we're good at and best at and i don't know i think uh i think basketball is 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 really our our sport i don't think football is the proper comparison football is really like a bastardized form of uh, soccer mixed with rugby mixed with like a war game like it's it's some crazy thing that we all really enjoy but its lifespan is not long i mean we're not looking at football being around in 50 years Basketball is going to be around forever, and I think when people, you know, look back, baseball is going to be, I think, eventually marginalized to some extent because it's just boring as hell, and people stop playing it in large parts. But basketball, I think, it's easy to play. People get into it when they're young, and they get into it, and it doesn't take much. You just need a round circular thing. It can be a basket, literally, um, and you know, some circular ball, and you can play it. And so that one's that that, that that's the sport that has legs to me. Yeah, Springfield, Massachusetts. The birthplace of basketball. There you I go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good stuff. We uh, we set a time limit for ourselves and we blew through it. That's Not cool. our first time limit. I originally said seven. Then I said six forty-five. Then I said six thirty. So we are still just before seven. True. Okay. So we uh, that's on the the East Coast for you West Coasters. It's four p.m. But this so is I would grade just if we're doing if we're doing a thing where we grade our podcast at the end of them. Now I would give this one a C. I kind of liked it. You didn't like it? like I thought it was good. I, I don't think it was as bad as the previous two before the last one, yeah. which felt horrific while we were recording. This one just felt like, okay, we're just, we're, we're you know, we're easing into the real deep off season. Yeah. And to be fair, you've, you've been fairly terrible. Um, I've, had I've to been carry- god awful. <laughs> no, this, one, this one was particularly bad. No, no. I thought it was I pretty thought good. you carried this one. There was, a, I think there were some good questions. Um, Oh, we do love when they people agree with our soccer rants and everything. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And you're pointing out that the soccer rant got a lot more play than our, you know, what took so long to come up with. 
our draft and everything, like no one seemed to give a crap who who won. So no, well, and I, I sort of called that one at the time, as I said. You like, did. No, no one is going to care about this. Yeah. But you know, it gave us something to do, and frankly, these people can eat whatever you know shit we serve them. Right. It's free, right? It's free. We're not even forcing them to listen to ads since we never got paid. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see. Maybe that'll change going forward. But. Maybe that'll change. And then suddenly you guys will be listening to our horrific ad reads again. Yeah. I th- we're pretty good, though. We're, we're pretty bad. All right. Well, uh, that's your buddy, David Woods. Um, follow on Twitter at David David Woods. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Of course, follow our show. At Pac-12 Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time.